0: Pastor Jim, it's always an honor to be in a pulpit to preach the gospel to share good news, and it's especially an honor when uh, the pastor invites you just to come and just share from your heart. and And uh, I love Pastor Jim, and I know you guys do too. And he's married to one of the best ladies I know, and uh, among many, my wife and I are celebrating this year our 50th anniversary. Yeah, isn't that cool? She's right here with us, and she is sitting beside her brother, Dan, who's been my friend for like 600 years. We, we met when the Dead Sea was only sick, and uh, it's because of Dan that I'm a believer today, that I'm a Christian, and their mother, uh, Miss Betty, Miss Betty, just a godly woman, loves Jesus. She just celebrated her 89th birthday, and uh, man, I mean, that's just awesome. Loves the Lord. She's had a little bit of an issue in the last few days. She fell and cut her head and had to go to the hospital. And uh, whenever, in the last several years, whenever we talk with her and she's having a problem, she just says, I'm just ready to go home. And, you know, you think about that. On the one hand, you think, well, she's wanting to check out. But in reality, what she's saying is, I know I have a hope and I know I have a place and I know I'm going there. And she just poured into my life. And uh, so we're all a product of many people pouring into our lives. They say one definition of humility is to recognize that many people have poured into you. You didn't do this yourself. And uh, we praise God for all who have had an influence for us. I just want to say thank you for praying for us this year, for our daughter, Uh, Nancy who passed her husband Steve and her children Olivia and Levi are here and I I kidded Olivia I said she's gonna come up and sing and uh, and even now she's shaking her head no Uh, but uh, we're just so glad that they're with us and then our middle daughter Melissa and her husband Brian and their daughter Emily are here and so we've had a, a family, but also we've been joined by a bunch of people that we think are family. Uh, Peter is so good to see Peter in America instead of in Kenya. Amen. Karibu Peter. Jumbo. And uh, so while he's here, take advantage and learn Swahili. Okay? You never know when that will come in handy. All right? So I want to share with you a biblical example of multi generational faith. And uh, I want to share with you, ultimately, multi-generational faith in 5G. But to get there, I want to share a biblical example, and then I want to share a personal example. So we're going to start here with this uh, message here in uh, Second Chronicles. And let me just share this with you, that you are passing your legacy on as you live. It's not something you give after you die. It's not something that you've contained in a bottle and left in your will. It's happening every day. You're leaving that legacy. That's one reason when you get to be 72 like I am, you want to finish well because you don't want to negate what you've done. You don't want to mess up everything. You want to make sure that when you finish well, you've got all this legacy that's passing on. But your children are catching it every single day. Your grandchildren will pick it up as well. But uh, let me read this, if you can see it here. This is uh, talking about Jehoshaphat, but I want you to catch these words. Here they are. Now, the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. How many of you would like for God to say that about you? Amen. How many of you know the Lord is with you? If you know he is with you. Now, how many of you ever had those days that you thought he forgot you for a day? Yeah. How many has ever had one of those days you want to go back and trace your steps because you think somewhere he got off the bus, you know? But he never does. He never leaves you or forsakes you. He doesn't leave you hanging, and he doesn't say, well, just make it on your own. And I love this. It said the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father David. Now, David was the king. David passed, and Jehoshaphat is five generations removed. And yet they're still measuring him by the legacy of David. That's quite a legacy. And Jehoshaphat is walking in that legacy. That's an incredible thing when you think about it. Now, not only that, but let me, let me check my notes to make sure I tell you right. Thirteen generations, this is five generations, 13 generations, the Bible says that Hezekiah walked in the ways of his father David. That's 13 generations. I can't even tell how many greats that are for grandchildren. But it doesn't stop there. Fifteen generations later, after David, you have Josiah, and Josiah brought incredible renewal and revival to Israel in a very critical time. So you have these men, and they continually are measured by what David did, and they respond to that by walking in his ways. I want to live in such a way that my children are proud to walk in my ways. I want to live in such a way that my grandchildren are proud to walk in my ways. Now, let me, having said that, make this very clear. God never uses perfect people. You can write it down. God never does. He never has. Well, except for one. I think there was only one. So the good news is you don't have to be perfect. In fact, God uses sinful people who are not normal, and they're messed up at times. So when you see them and you say, man, I want to be like that, you're actually saying, that's got to be Jesus doing that. That's got to be the Lord producing that. That's got to be God compensating for that, because I know them. If you ever lived a wild life and got saved, you know that back home they knew you how you were, And you'll always be that way. Yeah, well, he thinks he's somebody, but we knew when, you know. And so you need to understand that God will use you and me because he loves us, not because we qualify. He qualifies us. There's got to be some decisions in our life that we make that we walk in his ways. Would you pray with me for a moment here? Father, thank you for the word of the Lord. Thank you for this testimony of Jehoshaphat and Lord, how he walked in the ways of his father David, and today as I share about multi-generational faith, help me, Lord, to just share my heart, and Lord, anoint these words and speak to us, and help us to know that you will indeed use us to influence generations to come. Thank you, Lord. Help us not to waste our time here, not to waste our lives, not to waste uh, all the opportunities, but, Lord, to serve you to the greatest ability so your name is honored and glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let me talk to you about David, the father, for a minute. We all know the stories. David was a giant killer, which made him a deliverer. If you ever talked about killing giants, David's picture comes up in your mind. But did you also know there was an incident where David showed incredible loyalty. He served King Saul, and he was kind of Saul's therapist. When Saul would get a little crazy, they'd bring in David, he'd play his harp, and he'd sing, and Saul would settle down. But one day he didn't. And One day Saul took his spear, and he threw it at David across the room. Boom, right in the wall by David. Now stop for a minute, get this picture in your mind. Who now has the spear? David now has the spear. Now, here's what you need to know. David was already anointed to be the next king. Follow me in chronology here. He knows he's going to be the next king. Now he has the spear, and he and Saul are all alone. David could have done what a lot of people would do, just get mad and think, man, I'm here ministering to you, and this is all the thanks I get. Man, I'm taking you out. I'm going to be the king. Here's something you and I need to know, that not only is God's will important, but God's when is important as well. See, it was the will of God for David to become the king, but it wasn't the timing of God, and it wasn't the way God would choose. You and I need to be willing to walk in his will and his when and in his ways. So David shows incredible loyalty to God and ultimately to the king that he doesn't kill him, but also he finds him in a cave by themselves years later, and he could have killed him. He cuts off part of his garment just to show him that he was there, and Saul leaves the cave. He hollers at him and says... Hey, man, I could have killed you. But God said, touch not mine anointed. So I'm honoring God. And Saul said, I don't believe you. He said, yeah, look at the hem of your garment. And there he sees it's been cut off. And Saul humbles himself. And he says, I'm sorry, David. I'm not going to pursue you anymore. He didn't keep that promise. He still pursued him. But what I want to share with you is the legacy David left was one of loyalty, even when they don't deserve it. Because of the position they're in. And you're not going to find perfect people. If you start following people because you think they're perfect, you will soon be disappointed. But if you understand God has placed this person in your life to pour into your life, and this person has this position pour into your life. uh, Can I just, this is a dangerous thing to say, but can I just tell you, uh, let me say it the best I can, perhaps the president we have is not one of my favorite. I'll just say that. But that doesn't mean I have a right to say things about him. He occupies a position that I am to honor. I want to be careful that my words glorify God. Even while I may take a stand opposing or in favor of something, I want to make sure that I represent Christ at all times. Let's go on. You see, God's path to the kingdom had to come God's way, and David showed faithfulness to that path. He also, when he became king, conquered all the enemies and that made him an incredible leader because now not only did they not invade Israel, they paid tribute to Israel. What an incredible man. And then out of his heart, the Bible said he had a heart after God. He wants to build God a temple, a house of worship, a place they just called God's house. And God wouldn't let him Said, no, you're a, you're a man of blood. You've, you've killed many on the battlefield and I don't want my name the house to be associated with that. And so God's going to do that through Solomon. But he said, David, I like your heart. I see you're a man after my own heart. And then when David messed up, and we all remember that. We all remember how David just blew it. Now, here's what I like to ask. Is there anybody here that hasn't blown it? Of course not. We all have in some way. So let's not be too hard on those who mess up. Why don't we do the biblical thing and pray for them and try to restore them? And David comes to a place of repentance. David comes to a place where his heart yields before God, and he is repentant of all that he's messed up in, even though the results of that continue on. But you see a heart that desires God. God is not asking you to be absolutely perfect. He's asking you to be committed to a relationship with him. Now, what I'm saying is David was a complex man, but he left a great legacy. God wants to use us and our everyday decisions to make decisions that glorify Christ that leave a great legacy. So let me share with you a bit about the legacy that was left for me. My father was an atheist. Here's some of the things that he taught me by his lifestyle. He taught me about advantageous lying. It wasn't that he didn't say there wasn't any truth. What he actually said was, the truth is okay, but when a lie helps you get what you want, it's better. That's how I was trained. It's okay to lie your way. And it's amazing how he lived that way, but when I lied to him, he spanked me. (laughs) You know, somewhere there wasn't consistency in that. All right, so a second thing that he taught me was advantageous marriage. My, my, My dad had been married eight times. Just let that sink in for a minute, okay? I've been married once. She's almost got me trained. (laughs) Once is enough, okay? Now, I'm not condemning you if you've been through divorce and so on, but I'm just saying that when you get married and you stand at that altar and you're committing your lives together, you should mean those words. My dad married for advantage, and when this wife no longer advantaged him, she was history, and he married someone else. That's the legacy that I got. He also had this legacy that he passed on of perfection, being driven to perfection to the point of condemnation. His description of me growing up was this, you are a stupid ignoramus. Now, my dad spent most of his life cussing me out. Uh, Even when I became a teenager, when I became a man and got married and had a family, I hardly ever ended a phone conversation without being cussed at over something. And so there was this constant, you know, constant barrage of stuff, and uh, it wasn't until and my dad passed at age 79, and I, I just want to take a minute, make sure you get this really well, because he lived as an atheist all his life until the last eight days, and he gave his heart to Christ, and, and he became a, a believer. All those sins were forgiven, and he died and went to heaven. Isn't that awesome? That's the grace of God. That's what we sang about, The overwhelming love of God, the reckless love of God. We were singing that song at church not too long ago, and somebody came up to our worship leader and said, I don't believe you should call the love of God reckless. (laughs) And he said, well, what would you call it? (laughs) I mean, he leaves the 99. He'll go wherever you are and find you. He said, well, I just don't think God's reckless. No, God isn't reckless. But from my advantage point, man, he'll do anything to reach me. Amen. Amen. And so my dad, eight days before he died, he gave his heart to Christ. But until that time, he lived a life far away from God, atheist. And I was sharing with our family yesterday, you know, my dad, uh, being an atheist, it was amazing because he hated God. And I would say things like, well, I don't believe in Santa Claus, but I don't hate him. You know, I I don't think you're really an atheist. I think you're just mad at God. You know, I'm not mad at God. There is no God. And then blank, 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 you know. Uh, in fact, one day he was sharing with me, it really shocked me, but I, uh, he was sharing in his home, and this was with wife number two, who was very wealthy, and I was visiting for Christmas, and he got to talking about how, look, I know evolution cannot be true. And that shocked me. He said, because you take the human eyeball, there's no way the human eyeball could have evolved. And my dad was very intelligent, high IQ. He, he had a, a pre-med degree. He was a chemical engineer. Uh, in, chemical engineer. He also, uh, lacked when he's in his seventies, went back to school to become a lawyer. He lacked, uh, a few hours finishing that before he passed. And so he was a student. He was very smart and he just went on and on how the eyeball could not have evolved just, and I'm thinking, okay. And then he'd say, it really takes an intelligent person to design something like that. And I'm thinking, yes, this is good. And so some years ago, Jim and Carmen are in town, and I think maybe Isaac could come along. And uh, it was Christmas time, and we're going we're gonna to meet my dad for Christmas breakfast. My dad had been sick. He'd been in a hospital. And this wonderful Assembly of God couple lived across the street from them. And they brought apple pie over, and they brought, you know, food over and just ministered to the family. And so they invited him to come to church. And surprise, surprise, my dad said, we'll go. Now, you, forgive me, I'm, I'm this is not how I talk. This is what my dad said, and please forgive me. And those watching online, don't record this. Uh, but here's what he said to me. I like their church. Really? That's good. I like their pastor. Well, that's good. He reminds me of you. Really? He said, yeah, he puts on a hell of a show. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> so, so my dad was going there for a while, and I thought, we're going to meet him. And he said, um, I'd like to invite my pastor. that's great inviting. So we all sat down and this has been several years ago when there was a, a scientific book out called the black box. It was talking about Darwin and how, uh, if you trace back, uh, going through all the stuff that he went through, you actually find, uh, evidence of creative, uh, a creator, uh, intelligent design. And I was trying to honor my dad. I was trying to uh, just say something good about him. I believe the Bible, okay? I believe that God says if we honor mother and father that it'll go well with us. It didn't say honor your father and mother if they're honorable because my dad had not been honorable. And uh, the way he treated my mom, the way he treated me, and uh, I just believe I should obey God. And I don't measure whether it needs to happen. If God said it, that's what needs to happen. So I would honor him. And I was trying to honor him. And I just brought the subject. I said to the pastor, you know, my dad does not believe in evolution. My dad believes in intelligent design. And he just flew off the handle. He just started cussing. He started getting upset. The pastor excused himself and left. Breakfast hadn't even come. He just said, I think I need to leave. And so he left. And I'm sitting there thinking, I wish I could do that. And my dad just goes on, and here's here's Pastor Jim, here's Carmen. I, they may not remember this, but it was kind of like one of those moments that, mm-hmm. okay, what's going to happen? That's just how my dad was, and so he was driven. Well, a few days before he died, we went to see him. I'm telling you all this to go back to this idea that he was just driven with perfection and, and condemnation. And uh, I came into the room he his, his heart had been so damaged in heart attack and that the bottom part of his heart was just more or less mush they they couldn't if they cut into it they couldn't repair it and so they said he's just going to die and of course i'm concerned that he gives his heart to the lord and that he gets saved and it was actually isaac who talked to him on the phone that caused the door to be open said grandpa i love you and jesus loves you and that just softened him something about grandchildren speak to your heart you know and so anyway, uh, we sit down. I go, hi, Dad, how you doing? And I sat down in front of him, and here are the first words after I'm doing fine. Here's what he said. You seem to have a good relationship with your grandfather, my father. I thought, where is this going? I said, yeah, I think so. He said, I thought he was the meanest man who ever lived. And when he said that, I suddenly realized why my dad was the way he was. And he talked about how grandpa dad would be out in the, in the field with the mule plowing the field and grandpa, you could hear him from the house walking out to take over the plowing and cussing him all the way down the road. He said, my father cussed me. He treated me so bad. And I'm going, mm-hmm. Yeah. Sound like somebody I know. <laughs> I didn't really say that part. Uh, but I could see then that his legacy had been handed down. When I became a Christian, My heart's desire was to please God. I was uh, in church under conviction several times. I need to give my life to Christ, need to give my life to Christ. And I'd seen so many that were phony, so many that started and stopped, and so many that just didn't live it. I said, I am not going to be one of those Christians. I am not going to be somebody like that. And so I decided that if I ever get saved, I'm going to get saved all the way. Jump in with both feet. That's how I'm going to live. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to trust God. And so that night that I, I could no longer resist Christ, I gave my heart to Christ. And I determined from that point on, I'm going to serve the Lord. I wish I could tell you I'd been perfect at it, but I haven't been. But I just made a desire to serve God. And when I understood my father had this legacy, you know, it reminded me that my heart had been, whatever I received there stops here. And the legacy I go on is what Christ gives us to carry on in our family so this turnaround came for me in 1963 when I got saved and then in 1966 I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and it was like exponentially just boom all of a sudden this new power was in my life and, and man I was ready to do whatever God wanted me to do now I wanted to make it real. That meant I wanted to believe the word and live it. I want to call upon God and trust him. I want to be committed to him. I want to be in church. I want to be a generous giver. I want to be an example by my life and my testimony and share Christ. I want to be married to one woman uh, for life. And I want to raise my children to go to heaven and not to hell. And I would say that often. I am not raising children to populate hell. I'm raising children to go to heaven. And that meant I needed to live in front of them. I need to provide it for them. And I don't have to be perfect about it. I just want to make sure Jesus is glorified. So I want to share with you this next verse of Scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and verse 2. Many of you know it, but Paul's writing to Timothy, and he says, look, there's a progression here, and you need to understand it. And it, it says this, the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit, to those, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So there's a process of one person is telling it and demonstrating it. This person's hearing it, so they've got to receive it. They've got to learn it. They've got to get it. And then they need to look for faithful people, faithful ones. Not just spew it out, not just talk it, but find who are faithful. So suddenly the challenge for me was this. How do I produce faithful children who can hear what God is saying through me because without that, I'm just giving authoritative statements and they're just hearing stuff and going, I don't want to do that. But how do I produce, how does God work to produce faithful children? So here's the things that I felt that I could do that God will work through me. And uh, I'm giving you this. Now, this is my five G plan. All right. So here it comes. Number one, genuine love. I need to show my kids agape love, genuine love, love that is unconditional. Now, how many of you know, uh, parents, you love your kids. There are days you like them, but you always love them. You know, there are days that they remind you of yourself. I mean, that's bad. It's bad enough when they remind you of your spouse, but when they remind you of yourself, You know, on those days, you may not like them as much, but you always love them. And they need to know you love them. They need to know that it's genuine from your heart, that it's not based on performance. For me and my dad, it was always based on performance. And I could never measure up. I realized that came from his legacy that he received. But I said, that stops with me by the grace of God. And I want my children to know they're genuinely Love. Now, after church, you can check with them and say, did he make it or not? Uh, you know I'm just telling you what I tried to do. Okay, secondly, was guidance with consistency. Genuine love and then guidance with consistency. Don't keep changing the rules. It's okay this week, but it's not okay that week. Or, well, we used to not do that, and now we do this. Now, we all develop and grow, but I'm saying if you lay a standard, keep the standard right. One of the One of the standards we laid was a standard of priority. God is always number one. My spouse is number two. My children are number three. What I have to do for a living is number four. And the church that I attend is number five. That means I don't put my church above my spouse. We'll make sure you get that. I don't put my church above my kids. I happen to make a living at the church that I attend. So those kind of together, but I don't even put that above God. Sometimes in ministry, you can be so busy that you don't need God. I got this, God. I know I got to get ready to preach. Okay, I'm going to get ready to preach. And it's like, oh, yeah, God, just bless this. I put this together. You bless it. But in reality, God is first. Your spouse is second. Your children are third. Your job takes fourth priority. Your church takes fifth priority. I believe that's found if you start in Genesis, you're going to find those in order beginning in Genesis. And so we maintained that priority. We said, this is how we're going to live. We're going to do this. The third one is great experiences. We wanted our kids to have fun. We wanted them to have great experiences. Now, we didn't always have a lot of money. We planted a church, and uh, I was bivocational for quite a while, and uh, we just didn't always have everything that that everybody else had. But we said, let's make life fun, and we would do amazing things. Uh, we made a big deal out of small things. Uh, what, what's the name of the ice cream place? Maggie Moo's. Maggie Moo's in Kansas City had all kinds of ice cream, and we make it a big deal. We couldn't always afford it every week, but we'd save up our money. Wait hey, do you guys want to go to Maggie Moo's? What's Maggie Moo's? Oh, Maggie Moo's. It's where they have the best ice cream in the world. Yeah, we want to go. So we'd go, (coughs) and it would be such a treat, such a big thing. Now, in everybody else's scheme of things, maybe they went every day. I don't know, but we made it an incredible experience. I remember the year that we took off in our car and went to uh, Mount Rushmore. And uh, my wife, being the, the genius of everything, she gets a cooler and puts all kinds of salad stuff in the cooler. And so we would stop and have roadside salad bar. Every time we got hungry, just pull over, you know, pull out the salad, put it all together. The kids learned how to come through and pick out of the cooler and get what they wanted. And so somebody had on Facebook the other day, Roadside salad Bar, did anybody else do it? And my girls will respond, oh, yeah, we did that, you know. But those are memories that we created. We wanted to hand that on. We want them to understand life can be fun, life can be awesome, and parents can be awesome. Here's the fourth one. Gaining their trust by being involved in their life at their level. My dad always talked down to me. Whether I was five or 50, he talked down to me. He always knew more. He always had better experience. He always knew answers, and he talked down to me. My dad had an accident some years back in the 70s. A boat he was on blew up, and... uh, He was between wives, but this wife was on land, and he was with a previous wife on the boat, and that got exposed because it got in the newspaper and caused all kinds of issues. And uh, so I decided that I need to go see him. He was in another state, and uh, I went there to see him. I didn't know how he would respond or anything, and God just opened a great door, and we just began to talk, and uh, I decided I'm going to talk to him about non-spiritual stuff in a way that will turn towards spiritual stuff. And so we just talking about human psychology, personality, what temperament you are, and certain temperaments tend to do things this way, and other temperaments do things this way. And somehow God used that and connected us for the first time in life. And he started asking me questions. and I was blown apart because he always told me what to think. He always told me what to do. And now he's asking questions. And I said, wow, now this is awesome. Well, my dad never got down to my level of stuff, but I want to make sure that I was at my kids' level. When they were three, I want to be a three-year-old. When they're five, I want to be a five-year-old. When they're 10, I want to be a 10-year-old. I want to be with them. I want to communicate on their level. If you ever notice uh, adults meeting children, if they kneel down to get on eye level, they're going to connect with that child. If they stand above them and look down at them, a child's going to be a little afraid. Connecting with them at eye level, connecting with them where they are and building their trust. One of the things that would tear my heart out would be for my children to say, you don't understand. Because, you know, my nature would be, don't tell me I don't understand. I was a kid before you were. I know, you know. I'm not saying I didn't think those things. I'm just saying God helped me to... Maybe I'm better at biting my tongue than Pastor Jim. I don't know, you know. Maybe, maybe it just helped me to... And uh, I, remember, I remember one day we had to have a come-to-Jesus meeting, uh, and I want to say it was Carmen probably because she would be most likely the one that would do this. But she talked back to mom. And, uh, you know, we're all just pals, buddies, and friends and everything, but that day I was dad. And she's talking back to mom, and I stepped between her and mom and got down on her level, and I pointed to her, don't you ever talk to my wife that way again. She got this look on her face. I don't think she realized that that woman was my wife before then. (laughs) But she had an understanding, okay? So sometimes you have to be forceful too, but to always get on their level and gain that trust. And then here's the fifth one give eternal instructions. Give eternal instructions. David turns to Solomon. David is old and he's going to die. If you'll go ahead and put that scripture up. He's going to die. He's on his deathbed. They've tried everything they can to help him. Here's what he says to Solomon. I go the way of all the earth, meaning I'm going to die. Be strong, therefore. Prove yourself a man. Look at verse 3. And keep the charge of the Lord your God. Now once you look at those three things he says, I'm dying, this is it. You're gonna now be the king and you've got it from here on. He says three things. Number one, be strong. Not everybody's gonna agree with you. Not everybody's gonna see it your way. Not everybody's gonna hear what you wanna say. But be strong. Don't be a snowflake. Be strong, okay? You have no right to not be offended. But when you're offended, just be strong. Wouldn't it be great if we practiced what Jesus said and just had forbearance with one another and and had forgiveness to one another? Wouldn't that be awesome if we just lived that way? You know, be strong. They're not going to be strong. You be strong. You be strong. You're about to take a position. You may think you're going to be in charge of everything and you can just boss people around, but you need to understand the enemy that comes against you. You be strong. Secondly, be a man. Stand up and be what God wants you to be. Do what God wants you to do. Get your reference point from God. And then the third thing he says is to follow the charge of the Lord or the command of God or what God has commissioned you to do. Walk in that. Find the will of God and do that. I never tried to get any of my kids to do certain things. I believe the Bible uh, gives some incredible wisdom. And, for example, we all know that verse, train up a child in the way they should go. When they're old, they'll not depart from it. Well, literally in Hebrew, it, it suggests this way. tramp a child in the way they're inclined to go. Find the bent that is in your child. I mean, you know, you can't make a doctor out of somebody who's geared to be a mechanic. And it's okay to be a mechanic. Come on, everybody ought to say amen to that. I mean, yes, you want the best for your children, but God has designed them a certain way to do certain things, so bless them in it. Now, I'm not talking about their sinful bent. I'm talking about that natural bent. You know, uh, I can tell you that Melissa is incredible with numbers. She's an accountant. I can tell you that. I can tell you Carmen's not incredible with numbers. But that's okay. You know, I can pick on Carmen because we're going to leave and she has to stay here. But (laughs) Melissa's got to go back with us, so I can't pick on her. Uh, What I'm saying is when you know that bent of your child, bless them in it, encourage them in it, and let God direct their steps. It's interesting, and I'm closing with this. It's interesting that David is on his deathbed, and while they're here trying to attend to him, most of his people are over here having a secret meeting. I really think Adonijah ought to be the king. I really think he's the guy. Yeah, but I was thinking about so-and-so. and Somebody else says, but man, this guy's got the personality. So finally, you know what they do? They march Adonijah through the town on the white horse. That's the sign of becoming the king. They march him through. People are lining the streets, and they're hollering, going, yay, yay, we've got a king. And God says, oh, no, you don't. That's not my will for his life. (coughs) He may be anointed by you, but he's not anointed by me. And to the embarrassment of Adonijah, he has to step down. And Solomon now fulfills his destiny. Help your children walk in their destiny. They will love God forever. They'll love you. And they'll pass on a legacy to their children as well. Amen? Isn't God good to us? Can we give him a hand of praise today? (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise God. Would you bow in prayer with me? Let me let me pray over you. Father, I just want to bless this congregation today. We're here celebrating a wonderful weekend of Christmas, of giving and receiving and, and honoring you and celebrating that Christ the Savior has come. And I thank you for it. And I pray for families that are gathered together. They'll be strong and that you will just bless each one. And I pray, Father, that each one of us would understand that we are presently, currently, right now, in real time, passing on legacy. And I pray that you will help us to do it for the glory of God. And Father, it's, it's wonderful when we can bless our children and grandchildren with material things, and that's your will as well. <clears throat> but Father, what a joy it is to pass on eternal things. And I pray your blessing upon each one of us as we follow your will and are obedient to you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 God bless you, Pastor Jim.